father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Hey, Ebits. It's been a hot minute. When we last left you, we said that we were going to go on hiatus until the Amazon Lord of the Ring show comes out, and it is not. You may have noticed. Are we going to do the intro? Like the. I'm Joanna, and I'm Ryan. We play the Lord of the Rings, the Star Wars, and Psycho podcast, Race Time and Fictional Wikis. Oh, dude, I like completely forgot about that. Okay, ready? You. Okay. I'm Joanna. And I'm Ryan. And you're listening to What's Lightsaber's Precious? The Lord of the Rings of Star Wars and Cycle Podcast for Waste Time and Fictional Wikis. I said my name. I think we say the... I think I think we did it. Okay, one more Should time. Should we try so, it again? So you, you say, hello, welcome to What's Lightsaber's Precious. Hello. Okay. Hello and welcome to What's Lightsaber's Precious. It's the... the Shit. One more time. Hello. And welcome to What's Lightsaber's Precious. The Lord of the Rings of Star Wars Encyclopodcast where we waste time on fictional wikis. My name is Ryan. And my name is Joanna. Should we be restarting it, like, from there? I think um, we're good. Yeah, you can start talking now. Okay, cool. So it has been a hot minute since you've heard from us because when last we left you, we announced that we were going on hiatus until the Amazon Lord of the Rings show comes out. And you may have noticed that it has not. Yeah, I looked at our last update, and we, we last uploaded an episode January 19th, 2020, and nothing really has happened since then. I mean, a lot has happened in our lives. No, no, it's been pretty normal. I can't think of anything big that happened or anything in the last year Really? Plus. Nothing comes to mind? No, no. global pro- pandemics, per se? Mm. No laughably incompetent government? Mm, no. That got, like, hundreds of thousands of people killed. No. I'm going to say it right now, and this is going to be a hot take. Trump is, like, worse than Sauron. Well, I think we did Trump that. Trump is Sauron. I think that was a long-running joke, but we're in, the post, we're in the post-Sauron world right now, so really nothing's changed. But, yeah, we, we, we've come back to you because it needs must, and we have important information to share with you um, about... Uh, uh, a thing. Actually, something really, really important happened. Okay, so let me take you guys to this. Well, before we start, before we start, do we have any... I mean, obviously nothing happened this year. Oh, yeah. But in terms of Lord of the Rings land, did anything happen? Yes, it did. Like, what happened this year that we need to know about? What's what's a quick what's a quick Lord of the Rings news you can fill us in on? Okay, so let's talk about the Amazon show and where that's at. Yeah. Um. So it is still in production. That is expected. It was expected to take a really long time to film it because it is epic in scale. But... um. We have gotten, like, a few updates. It is going to be in New Zealand. Wow. There's been a lot of um, kind of waffling back and forth. At one point, it looked like it was going to be in Scotland. But it is, no, it is going to be in New Zealand. It is still focusing on the second age. Okay. So, Numenor is going to be in it. They decided on a lot of the actors. I don't know who any of them are. but like names? I don't know any really. uh, I mean, like, I think it's a lot of Australian, New Zealand actors, so I'm not very familiar with them. Although, the guy who played Shagrat in the Peter Jackson trilogy is back at it. Right. Back at it again. Shagrat in the house. The Shag. So, I mean... There's gotta be there's gotta be a big name, right? Like even Lord, when Game of Thrones came out, they had Sean Bean as like the big guy. They don't have anybody on the level of Sean Bean, at least not anybody who's on the level that Sean Bean is in in America. Mm, um, that probably Australians of. are like, oh yeah, we know that guy. He's great. Probably, probably they probably know who all these people are. I only know the name Shagrat. We gotta get some American appeal. I think I hmm, who could they put in it that would make it more appealing to Americans? But, I mean, Danny DeVito, obviously. 
Can you think of an actor that more broadly appeals to Americans of every race and creed? Uh, no, I can't. But there is one guy whose schedule has cleared up quite a bit and has some experience in Hollywood. And who might this be? Folks! I'm in Lord of the Rings, folks! God, no. <laughs> it's Anubitar, giver of gifts. He's great, you know? The best gifts. We got the best gifts. More and more people are saying it, folks. He gave me a ring. I love it. It's a great ring, folks. You put it on, you feel strong, feel powerful. The best rings in the biz is a Nuvatar giver of gifts. He's bragging about like how good he can eat Lembus with one hand. Yeah, I can do it. People say I can't, but I did. I ate all Lembus with one hand. I did. I spit a little bit of crumbs, but you know what? The whole thing got out of my mouth. I and guess what? Guess what? You know, like the, those, uh, you know, the Numenorias, the, the, uh, they think they're so strong, but you know, this, uh, the island sank. They're losers, folks. Bunch of losers. I actually think he would be a slam dunk as the last king of Numenor. I'm just, nothing could back it happen to Numenor. Everything's fine. The people love me. We got the best stuff. We're never gonna sink. We're never gonna sink, folks. I promise you this. Never gonna sink. We're gonna build a seawall. But who would be like Fauci in that situation? Fauci, uh, I don't know enough. About I think it would almost certainly be like Isildur's father, Elendil, would be yeah. Fauci because he was the one who was all like, "No, don't do that." The island will sink. And the island sank, but fortunately, like I was on a boat and we all sailed away. That's like that's like Fauci helping you know the American people, putting them all on a boat and taking them away to Middle Earth. Yeah. I.e. like not dying of corona. So that, that that's my big... Actually, I think she's like been pretty effectual <laughs> to be honest, but... But more effectual than, than, than our ex-president. But, you know, that that's my little, um... That's my way to appeal to, to middle America. Oh, yeah, they're going to be all over so this. So I think they're going to be really I don't, I don't think show. I think, like, I don't think they're going to catch the sarcasm at all because, you know, it was, like, pretty subtle. And yeah. so I think they're going to think... Like, you really endorse Trump, and they're going to be like, this is this is a show for me. Because jokes equal uh, endorsement, and so I, I'm, I'm totally serious. I think I think he's got a... Like I said, his schedule's wide open right now. He's just crashing, like, disgusting old people's parties in Florida, so he might as well just go to New Zealand. He is a disgusting old people's party in Florida. He is a disgusting old people's party of one, in and of himself. But that's... So, in terms of Amazon news, that's basically what it is. Uh, but the, the one ring.net which I've gone off on a little bit because they came up with that BS about how the Amazon show was going to be about Aragorn's youth, and it was not about that at all. They lied. They, they got all excited and started tooting their own horns because they got a plot synopsis. Listen, just, oh, spoilers. Wait, is this real? Spoilers. Yes, it is. Oh, and it's just going to spoil the whole show for you. It's you a, ready? Is this a leak? Are is you this, ready? Is this an exclusive yeah. leak? Yeah, oh yeah, this is an exclusive leak. This is like, this is going to tell you everything. You're not even going to need to watch the show after this. Like, Guys, just listen to how listen. how specific and how fine of a granularity they dig in on this plot. Okay, now skip ahead to this time code if you don't want anything spoiled for you because it's going to go down. This is an exclusive leak. First time ever heard on a podcast on What's Lightsaber's Precious, the, the Lord of the Rings Star Cycle podcast. exactly right, what's right, going right. to happen. Okay, all right. Now and that everyone's tuned out who doesn't want to hear it, let's hear it. Amazon Studios' forthcoming series brings to screen for the very first time the heroic legend of the fabled Second Age of Middle-Earth's history. This epic drama is set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and will take viewers back to an era in which great powers were forged, kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin, unlikely heroes were tested Hope hung by the finest of threads, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen threatened to cover all the world in darkness. 
These kingdoms and characters will carve out legacies that live on long after they are gone. You heard it here first, folks. Hope hangs in the balance. This is this is this is a breaking news. Something something kingdoms and characters and, and legacies and I feel like you covering all the world in darkness. Had you cut out the bit that said a thousand years before the Hobbit, you could have just described the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You could have described like literally any fantasy trilogy at all if you cut that part out. So, so. the One Ring are they are they like angry about this spoiler? Or are they like are they oh like, no no they're jazz they're like look at us are they reading they're like peacock and they're like oh. check out the big swing and dick on us like we got these deeds even though like it's literally vague enough to describe almost any fantasy series ever so cool the one ring on net very cool very cool i still appreciate still appreciate you guys you got as much information as probably anyone could yeah, at this point yeah. but anyway so that's my lord of the rings news what about star wars news yeah you know not much is going on they're filming obi-wan right now uh second season of mandalorian was really good uh, gina carano's a chud she's a chud uh, we got a new news. We got Star Wars news coming down the pipe. This is hot off the presses. This we got a new a new character just dropped. New character just dropped. Who is it? Who is it? Character's name is Geode. Geode. Now Geode. Let me describe Geode to you, and I want you to picture what Geode looks is like. Is he okay? anything like Geode, dude? Um, he's not strong and powerful, my friend. But we'll find out. So yeah, I want you to describe. I'm gonna read what Wikipedia has to say about Geode, and I want you to tell me. What he looks like, okay? So first there's a quote from his friend, Leox Jayassi. Who says, <laughs> I don't know who that is. But... He is a capricious nature, one of many moods and climes. Jude was a Vintian male who acted as the navigator of the transport starship Vessel, alongside the pilot Leox Jayassi <laughs> and the pilot Affy Hollow. According to Jayassi, Geode's true name can only be pronounced by those without a mouth. The vessel transporting Jedi to the Starlight Beacon for its dedication when the Great Disaster struck. So Geode, we got this navigator. Who, what do you think Geode looks like? What kind of, what, what's a Vintian? Like, a solid 50% of those words I didn't understand. But Vintian sort of sounds, like, refined. Yeah. Um. So, honestly, it might be because we were just talking about Lord of the Rings in the Second Age, but I'm picturing, like, an elf with maybe, like, purple eyes and, like, very long hair and, like, cool fashion sense wearing lots of leathers. Mm-hmm. And, and why would his name not be, be able to pronounce if he didn't, if you had a mouth? Like, why, why is that? I guess... He doesn't have a mouth. So he's a mouthless elf. He's an elf with no mouth. I'm guessing his real name must be something like... <laughs> okay, let me show you a picture of Geode. This okay. is the official art. This is a canon character that just dropped. Geode. What the fuck? <laughs> what? He's a navigator with a capricious personality. That's just a, that's just a rock. That's like a chunk of shale. That's Geode. <laughs> what? That's Geode. How you... No, it's not. It's a rock. <laughs> what on earth? Literally, guys, what I'm looking at is a square. It looks like a hunk of shale. But he's one of many... has, like, little cracks in it. But his best pal says he's of many moods and climes. So this is a Vintian. How can you tell? How can you tell what its moods are? How can you tell if that's cranky, if it's happy, if it's horny? How can you tell anything about that? He's a navigator. I don't know. How is it navigating? Does it just kind of, like, allow its body to fall onto various levers to steer the spacecraft? What is it doing? He's also... What is it... Ryan, what is it doing? He's been described as initially shy before he got to know someone. I'm and assuming others shy described as a, Others describe him as a wild man, except when it came to the business of navigation. He's a wild card. <laughs> He's wild now. That rock is wild now. So Geode is from the official new Star Wars book series, The High Republic. Which is like set 500 years before uh, Phantom Menace, and Geode, Geode dropped, and I I lost my shit because 
Geo. I feel like that's up there with Hoas, and then what was like the doughy, sad-looking guy that they released? You're talking about Droopy McCool? You're Droopy about, McCool. Are you no, about, no, no. You're talking about Claude the Slug? Claude, no. From Rise of Skywalker? It was like an image of like new Star Wars creature oh. just dropped, and it's just this sad, doughy-looking guy. I think you're thinking of Muncher, who was a ghost yes. from Ghostbusters, the new one. Thing. Oh, shit, that's Ghostbusters, <laughs> not even Star Wars. No, Muncher, Muncher is a ghost. Not... Okay, but that, but Muncher... I mean, Muncher has it all over this thing. Can we just, like, we can agree on that, So I think we can all agree this is the biggest Star Wars new to drop in all of 2020 and 2021. My Um, head is spinning. My head is spinning. I can't fucking believe that we're going to be, like, so blessed as to have all the creative magic of George Lucas and his team behind this exciting new character that is almost showing it to me, a hunk of shale. He is a beautiful, he's a Vintian rock. Uh, His name is Geode. So... That's that's big. I'm really hoping he shows up in an actual like film or cartoon or something because I think we need to see more Vintian representation. Uh, maybe we've already seen them already. They've just been in the background. They're not moving. I we would just... argue that they're like all around us all the time. Oh shoot! Like I'm looking out the window and I see one now. No, don't don't don't. I mean, be careful. They could be a wild. Card. It's like look. It looks extremely moody. So I'm not going to approach it. Like a wild and capricious personality. Um, yeah, be careful. absolutely. But yeah, that's my best. My Star Wars news. Um, but yeah, it's been a little bit. And like we said before, we only come out of hiatus when something uh, warrants a podcast. And as much as I think Geode warrants a podcast... Wait, wait, you mean this episode isn't just for you to announce Geode? No! You probably saw it on the internet news, but we... They've uncovered something. An archaeological find. Something The likes of of have not... Well, it kind of have been similarly things have been seen, but um, this is is all new to us. No, this is a find 30 years in the making. This was something that was released upon the world one time and one time only three full decades ago and then vanished into the ether never to be seen again. Or so we thought. The mystery of Atlantis. No. This is the mystery of the 1991 made-for-TV Soviet movie Kranatelli, The Guardians, a.k.a. The Soviet Lord of the Rings. Behind the Iron Curtain, they, too, enjoyed a ring and a hobbit but in different ways than we did. Now, again, I want to emphasize that this was missing for 30 years. Where, did, where aired, was it? Where was it? Where, where was it hiding? Well, I'll tell you. So this aired one time and one time only, and that was in 1991. So this was the waning days of the USR. Like, mm-hmm. that bish was about to fall. Mr. Gorbachev had already torn down this wall. And, okay. like, it was only 10 years before Peter Jackson's trilogy comes out. And that's remarkable because it looks significantly older than that. It looks ancient. It looks like it yeah. came out well before Hobbitit, and I think it only came out like two years before Hobbitit. And again, Hobbitit, if you haven't listened to those podcasts, that was, that was the Finnish miniseries of Lord of the Rings that we watched for some episodes. They're pretty fun to listen to. Go back and check them out. Yes. So this one looks like it was made by somebody who had like just gotten a green screen, wasn't really sure how it worked, didn't have much in the way of costumes except stolen Shakespeare outfits and like a head of lettuce. Um, so like, it's... It's fascinating. It's fascinating. And that's why I want to give you a little bit, before we get into the meat and potatoes of, of what Cranatelli actually involves, I want to give you some background on just how exactly this production came to be. Okay. So it, again, as I said, it aired on Leningrad television exactly once and never again. Um, <laughs> why? With, with the, well, because the Soviet Union <laughs> fell. Oh. So with the fall of the Soviet Union, Leningrad television became defunct. And for that matter, so did Leningrad <laughs> because it's St. Petersburg now. Um, fans in the USSR who remembered the two par t- television event, uh, as well as fans elsewhere who had heard about it on the internet and such, they searched for decades, 
three of them, to be precise, and were unable to find it because it was just assumed that it got lost in um, when Leningrad TV like stopped being a thing. But Leningrad TV had been succeeded by a channel called Five TV, and Five TV had Leningrad TV's archives, like oh, all yeah. of them. So earlier this month, just out of nowhere, um, Five TV plopped both parts of the movie on their YouTube channel without any prior notice whatsoever. Oh, wow. Like, no, like, hey, guys, guess what we found? Get ready. Get excited. No, they just, like, put it up on YouTube, and they're like, here you go. So it was just that, along with, like, other Leningrad TV stuff? Like, was it was there other stuff uploaded, too? Like, like I actually you know, didn't look into that. I'm assuming maybe, it's but... It's just a bunch of, like, you know, worker and parasite cartoons. Almost certainly. <laughs> That's some bread and butter of Leningrad TV. <laughs> I don't... So, so um, but the video now has almost 2 million views. Wow. So obviously this took off. Leningrad TV has been like, yeah... We knew this would do great. We knew all you guys would like no, this monumental event. No, you just like slapped it up at like three in the morning without telling anyone. So earlier adaptations and, and translations of Tolkien's work in the Soviet Union were really hard to come by um, because this is just a theory. I don't know if this is actually true, but a lot of people think that the story of an alliance of men, elves, and dwarves fighting a totalitarian Easter eastern power was like blocked by censors potentially mm, i don't know potentially though. i don't know seems kind of far-fetched i think it's because it has a, behind the iron curtain it's just a bunch of bougie heroes i think is the problem the only prole in the story is sam frodo is bougie i think we actually can say that frodo is, bougie. is bougie i mean he comes from bougie la blood he's not he's not a, he, he hasn't lived that bougie lifestyle but he's like bougie by background yeah Soramon is bougie. for sure bougie yeah. Sor- Soramon for sure bougie he's an ivory tower academic like literally he lives in ivory yeah the only, tower. only proles are uh sam and, and Gollum, really yeah no that's true Gollum is the ultimate prole yeah he lives in a cave <laughs> so yeah that's all good proles do <laughs> now another suggestion is that actually it wasn't anything to do with censorship. It's just that Tolkien's plot and like linguistic invention made it really hard to translate it into Russian. They'd either have to kind of adulterate the mm. story or like leave Soviet audiences being like, "What the hell is going on?" Gotcha. Like, because literally, like every other sentence has like some bizarre word in it that Tolkien made up, or some reference to some magic land that like we they just had no context oh, okay. for. Um, so the first Soviet Samizdat translation. I looked up Samizdat. It's a clandestine literature banned by the state. So it's like an underground translation. Banned book kind of thing. Yes. So the very first Soviet Samizdat translation of The Fellowship of the Ring was in 1996. That was more than a decade after Tolkien's book was published and then the first like official published translation in the soviet union was in 1982 wow um so almost 30 years after after lord of the rings came out and then the sequels the two towers and return of the king didn't come out until even years after that wow um but there was still a fan base in the ussr so in 1985 leningrad television aired its first version of tolkien's work which was a low budget adaptation of the hobbit which I believe you can see on YouTube. I think we have watched and it. And we have, yes. We have watched it. We didn't yes. do an episode about it, but it's pretty fun. It's, yes. like, a, it's like a stage play on, on mostly. Like. Well, I mean, Cranatelli is also like a stage play, but like a very incompetent one. Yeah. Um, there was also a planned 1991 animated version of The Hobbit called The Treasure Under the Mountain, but unfortunately that gets, got scrapped after they'd only animated like six minutes worth of footage. You can find that online too. Oh, shoot. Okay. Um, but when the Peter Jackson trilogy came out in the early 2000s, it was a massive hit in Russia. Mm. Um, particularly the fan-dubbed version, which is notable for its profanity. So, for example, Aragorn yells, whoever doesn't hit an orc is an ass. 
ass <laughs> as his archers let their arrows fly um, at Helm's Deep. I love that. Also, Frodo is called Fyodor Mikhailovich because, like, oh, why wouldn't Fyodor. he be? Fyodor Mikhailovich. I like that. Son of Mikhail. That's cool. Um, and this trilogy reignited interest in the 1991 TV movie, uh, which now, in the year of our Lord 2021, we can finally watch. So they, they had a little bit of lead up to this to understand the story. They did. They did. They a had smidgen. some. They had a smidgen. Just a smidgen. With a running time of around one hour and 50 minutes, the adaptation, sorry to say, is only the first part of Tolkien's trilogy, The Fellowship of the Ring. And if you think it ends on, like, a satisfactory note, like, if you think they, they like, put a nice ribbon on that, you are freaking high because they absolutely <laughs> do not. It does well, not end in a satisfying way. It definitely cuts out, like, in a very yeah, incomplete fashion. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But, yeah, it does, it does, it doesn't really have an ending. Not, I mean, like, it has an ending, but it's not a satisfying one. But it is kind of cute. We'll get to that. Yeah. The music is by a guy called Andrei Romanov. Uh, because he has to have the most Russian name ever. Yeah. Uh, of Russian folk rock band Akvarium. And it is oh. wild. So I gotta say, I think the music is probably the best part of this. It's very distinctive. I will say that. It's cool. um, I'm sure we'll mention it many times. And I read an interview with a Russian woman who saw the movie on TV when it first came out. And she described the music as typical of the Leningrad rock club scene. Oh, really? So apparently that's what they were listening to back then, which is hilarious because some of this music is like... Just dudes panting, but I mean, we'll get to that. Well, you think about, that's, that's so funny, because you think about, like, what was coming out in the U.S. in 1991. It was like, it was like Nirvana. Like Hathaway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was either, it was either Nirvana or Hathaway, nothing in between. Yeah, wow. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll include some samples of the music while we're talking, but yeah, I think, the, I think it's the standout to me yes. of this production. Now, the same Russian woman describes the movie thusly. This is a long quote, but I kept the whole thing because I think it's really good. Okay. So, zilch budget. I have my suspicions that at least some of the people who took part in this worked for free or paid for it themselves, like in a school pantomime just to get it filmed. The costumes seem to have been assembled from all Leningrad theaters that ever staged a play by Shakespeare or Lope de Vega, which is why Gandalf looks like a knight errant and why oh. Elrond pinched his outfit from Othello. <laughs> Sam has four eyebrows for some reason, while a puppet eagle, which carries Gandalf to a safe location looks like a seagull that drank aviation fuel Ouch. Uh, actually this was more about the fading away of the ussr than any adventure in middle earth absurd costumes a film devoid of direction or editing woeful makeup and acting it all screams of a country in collapse it was a desperate attempt to present a much-loved book to the masses through the medium of television they made it without anyone's help there was no money there were no experts People at that time would go for half a year without getting their wages paid, and they didn't know how they would feed their own children. Bearing all that in mind, have a bit of mercy on the people who made this, and give them credit for trying, at least. I'm not sure anyone else could have done better under these circumstances. You know, I kind of like it better, having heard that quote. You yeah, know, I lo- yeah. I love the, I love the scrappy nature. Like, I, love a, I love a scrappy production. The country was literally falling apart, and they're like, you know what, guys? But let's put on a show. It's like the guys who played music on the deck of the Titanic as yeah. it was sinking. It's like the Muppet um, movie. The theater's falling apart, but they still got let's put on a show. One more show. Except the Muppet movie was like, you know, an actual Hollywood production. Where the well, I'm just I'm talking actors. about this, I'm talking about the story yeah, within the Muppet movie. Yeah. Come on, I'm talking yeah. about like Kermit and, and Fozzie trying to save the theater by putting on one last show, even though the walls are falling apart and stuff. Yeah, and they tried to, and you know and, what? It didn't work because the Soviet Union still fell and Leningrad TV died. But but the but Muppet theaters tried. exist now, so I mean that's that's good. At least they tried. At least Kermit saved his theater. Yes. So, with that, 
let's talk about the experience of watching Cranatelli, The Guardians. Yes, this was on YouTube. If you want to watch a version that has subtitles, um, there is a, a channel called Hack Your Russian. And he did a really good job, she, he or she. I'm not exactly sure, like, who it was. They did a good job subtitling it. Um, there is one part where it just says in parentheses, I have no idea what they're talking about, <laughs> which is really funny because the sound quality is not great. And the other catch is that they only did part one. The second part we had to watch with automated subtitles. And we'll probably talk about those once we get into the second part. Yeah, that but was its own brand of entertainment. But, that, um, was, um, that was wild. That so... Was- there's an interesting opening theme. So it basically starts on a very, very blurry um, shot of the ring slowly rotating. Mm-hmm. And how would you describe the theme song that accompanies that? So it's it's got like it's a... kind of a dirge. I I, I think of it. It's it, well, it's the it's the poem from from Lord of the Rings. It is like a rough rough translation of it. It's similar. It kind of reminds me of like singing low and thinking about what's going to happen. Uh, it's really like kind of like ponderous yeah yeah it's cool and then it ends with a robot It's cool, it's good. Yeah. So that's Akvarium's first contribution to this movie, I have to assume. Um, it's actually not the most inexplicable contribution. There are much more inexplicable no, 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 but songs it, in it's this. A good, it sets a good tone. Yeah. Um, and it, again, this is like opening music over like shots of this this kind of soft focus ring with like the credits as well. But there's also like interspersed with like the first thing I was impressed me was this the thing has actual horses in it. It does has actual horses. Which if there's one thing that they were able to acquire in, you know, about to collapse USSR, it was horses, apparently. Yeah, Hobbitit had no real horses. But this one has actual shots of horses, people like the Dark Riders on horses in the snow. Oh, word. That's true. That's true. But you know what? Like, whoever they rented the horses from must have been like, don't drive them too hard. Because right. they never, <laughs> like, move them above a very ponderous trot. It's a very gentle, very gentle <laughs> treatment of these of these black <laughs> riders. Extremely <laughs> slowly. They are not in a hurry at all. One thing that also impressed me, generally I would say this probably compares unfavorably to Hobbitin. I would say generally Hobbitin is better. Yeah. But this Hobbiton does look a lot more cheerful than the one in Hobbiton. Remember how that one looked like a work camp? It was, it was like sad. all grays and browns, and everybody looked very depressed. And this one is very happy. There's because uh, it, it has it starts with Bilbo's birthday party, as a lot of these things do, and it has this really really jaunty song that plays basically any time there's like a Hobbity thing happening on screen. But there's there's two things I want to point out in the scene. First of all, like the amount of Vaseline on the lens is insane. Like I oh, think it's, it's supposed fuzzy, to man. make it feel nostalgic, but they've got it like covering about forty five percent of the camera lens. The other thing is that these hobbits are horrific, inexcusable dancers. They are such bad <laughs> dancers, especially Lobelia. Yeah, but she's doing like Lobelia this... and Otho Sackville Baggins. How would you describe their dancing? Oh, the the fits of a of a of a syphilitic man in the 1900s. Like, it's bad. It's, like, twitching. It's twitching, but kind of, like, thrusting at each other. Like, there's, like, this whole thing where they're kind of, like, kind of, like, pushing their hands against each other, but not really touching at all. It's almost like they're playing, like, patty cake, but in the air. Patty, a cross between patty cake and I'm not touching you. And, but not in rhythm to the song, either. I don't think they were able to hear the song that was playing 
on the soundtrack no. well, on, on set because everyone's dancing to a different beat, different different song. Clearly, it's like you know in a Charlie Brown Christmas where all the Peanuts characters do like just the stupidest dances ever. It's like that, but not on beat. Well, then the Charlie Brown dances are charming and at least look like dances. They're kind of cute. These are just like. Have you seen a dance? Have you done a dance before? I don't think they know what dancing is. I don't think it was allowed in Soviet Russia. Also, Lobelia, do you know what clothes are? Because you look like your shirt's made out of a dirty sheepdog. You look like, yeah, girl, your shirt you look like look a sheepdog. You look like absolute trash. We should also She's mention terrible. that this whole thing is being narrated by what I can only assume is the Russian J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, I think he's supposed to There's be. There's like a narrator who has got a got a book, and he's reading us the tale of the Guardians. Uh, you know, J.R.R. Tolkienikov or whatever, and the R's are backwards because it's Russia, and it's him. Yeah, yeah, so he's telling us all about Bilbo's party. Um, one more thing to note about their appearance, all the hobbits have, like, very furry leg warmers. Not just furry Instead leg of furry warmers, feet. they have paws. Yeah, they do. They have paws, they have, like, dog legs, so I don't know why. basically imagine from, like, the knee down, they're wearing, like, just the leg part of a ghillie suit, and then the bottom part is, like... I just reminded me of like the, 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 the wolf pajamas and where the wild things are. It's like these long pointy toes that kind of like droop a lot it when is they walk. Very puzzling. But because there's so much Vaseline on the lens, I wasn't actually sure what I was looking at, so I was just like, I'm gonna assume that's reasonable, whatever but, that is. I mean I gotta say it's a bold interpretation of the furry feet of a hobbit. Yes, absolutely. I mean, furry legs, who it? Who Let's get into the story here as Russian J.R.R. Tolkien tells us. Uh, Bilbo gets up to give his speech. First, he points out Pippin. Pippin is like six foot four in this. Yeah, all the hobbits um, are real big. All the hobbits are big. They, they basically give up on trying to make the hobbits smaller than mm-hmm. any other creature, with the exception of Tom Bombadil, who is huge. We'll get to we'll that in a second. Um, so Pippin is six foot four. Bilbo brings Lobelia up on stage. She's being a huge bitch, criticizing the way he handles his finances, like yeah. anybody asked her. And then he tells her to smile, which all women love yeah. hearing. You're pretty smiling. Except she's not, because her smile is absolutely hideous. It's a bad smile. It is um, repellent. Anyway, Gandalf shows up. And he's wearing like this avant-garde like Hamlet smock. He's got like a tunic, and he's yeah. got he's got a short beard, and kind of like like what would you say like a page boy haircut? Page boy haircut, page boy haircut. Um, he has some fireworks, which basically every website that wrote about this movie points out are very bad. Uh, first of all, he sets them off in bright daylight, which makes no sense. Well, he waves this red cloak that he has, this red cape, and he wiggles it in front of the camera. And, and fireworks go and off they, inside it. They go off inside it, and by going off inside it, we mean there's like, they, they, they have like a couple animation cells just flashing briefly, and then... It reminds me of Decker. I don't know how many people listening to this will have watched Decker, but on the very yeah, last like the episode, Tim Heidecker show, very last yeah. episode of the first season, when the bomb blows up and it turns into like a GIF of an American flag, like that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, I haven't seen Decker on cinema. They're pretty funny, but yeah, it's it's like that level of special effects. And, and again, it's in broad ass daylight, so yeah. there's no reason anyone should be able to see these fireworks. Anywho. So Bilbo disappears. Well, he gives a speech. He talks about... Uh, oh, maybe that's later. Sorry, continue. Yeah, Start no. Over. Yeah, it, they get a little, like, weird with the timing. Like, Bilbo leaves the party and then comes back, like, I think twice. Yeah, he just walks away in And the it's the time. same bright-ass afternoon. So this happens over the course of, like, 15 minutes. He walks back to his house the first time. He doesn't disappear. He just walks yes. away. He walks back to his house. He has a talk with Gandalf. They have the whole scene that you see in the Peter Jackson version where Bilbo accuses Gandalf of wanting to keep the ring for himself because Gandalf says, Bilbo, I think you should leave the ring here. 
Yeah. Um, but instead of, you know, Bilbo Baggins standing up and making the atmosphere all dirt, dark and being scary and saying, I'm not trying to rob you, I'm trying to help you, Gandalf just makes a face like, dude, no. Yeah, he gives him like a, come on, come it's on. Like, are you serious? Come on, guy. Come on. You know who you're talking about. Come on. It's like, does that sound like me? Come on. Does that sound like me? It doesn't sound like me. I do like how Bilbo describes himself as like butter on the bread of a stingy man. Yeah, not butter scraped over too much bread, but butter on the bread of a, a cheap ass. I mean, I mean, that's good. That's, that's like, probably more a, salient to a Soviet audience who couldn't get a lot of butter. It's a cool turn of phrase. I like it. Yes. Um, so Gandalf does eventually decide to cool Bilbo's tits, but tits by doing a, a spell, and weird '80s Euro disco music starts playing. Yeah, let's get a sample of that yep. too. I love the music. Bang up job. What's the band's name again? Aquarium. Aquarium. You've done it again, boys. You've done it again. You pulled it off. So Are they still around? You think? Aquarium. I think they're probably dead. Oh, so that's. I'm nice. just assuming. I'm I'll just assuming up. everybody who was alive in 1991 is dead by now, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> including us. But yeah. Um, so after talking to Gandalf, Bilbo goes back to the party. It's still the middle of the day, so I think he was talking to Gandalf for a grand total of like ten minutes. It's like nighttime in Bilbo's house. It's nighttime in Bilbo's house, but it's broad daylight outside. Yeah, so they're like, yeah. we have to get all these scenes done in this one afternoon, guys. Like, continuity, who's that bitch? I don't know her. Now, he's not shown disappearing with his ring, not even with a jump cut. Um, he's just well, it's there. kind of a jump cut. They cut over to the hobbits being like, huh? Yeah, they cut over to the hobbits. They don't do a jump cut of him there and then not. Right. He's just there. And then they cut over to the hobbits being like, what the shit? And then suddenly Bilbo appears in front of a very bad green screen. The first of many, many, many abhorrent green screens. Really bad green. You can see like the fuzzy green around him. It's, uh, the, the background is moving at a different pace than he is. It's a real. It's and that's a, about all you can see because of the Vaseline. It's a real mess. You're like, where the hell is he? Yeah. Then he walks home again. So again, like the first part of this movie is just him constantly leaving and like walking back. Yeah. To the place he just I feel left. like they they kind of could have. You know, I guess I'm just used to how Peter Jackson does it, and how like how the book does it, where he's just kind of all happens at once. But yes. you know, why not? Let's have a few back and forth. Now, Frodo goes to find his uncle Bilbo. Um, it should be noted that Frodo looks and dresses like a middle aged leprechaun. Now he looks like he looks like Christopher Guest in Spinal Tap. I kept thinking of like because like of the mullet, because of the mullet in his face structure. He looks, yeah, he looks exactly yeah. like Christopher Guest. But he has like bright orange hair and a green outfit, so he looks like. Christopher Guest, if Christopher Guest were an alcoholic leprechaun. With a mullet. With a mullet. It's quite a look. So then Gandalf gives them the whole story of this ring. Very cinematic um, part in Peter Jackson version. In this, we just see, I think, a battle between men and orcs 2,000 years ago. I think. But when I say orcs, it's like slightly uglier men than the other men in the scene. Wearing, like, big helmets and stuff. Yeah, like, there's no orc makeup. It's just dudes who look, like, a little gorgeous. They're kind of dirty. They're kind of dirty. It's like dirtier dudes. So it's dudes versus dirtier dudes. So Gandalf's like, 2,000 years ago, these dudes fought these other slightly dirtier dudes. Well, we do get get Deagle and Smeagol here as well. Yeah, we do get Deagle and Smeagol. This is absolutely incredible. Um, Deagle does the world's most believable swimming behind a sheet of green cling wrap <laughs> after falling into the pool. He swims down. He finds the ring. He comes out from behind the green cling wrap. What do you know? He's entirely dry. His beautiful he's blonde mullet. slightly he's, wet. Like he's got this huge 80s, like... Bicolor mullet. Bicolor mullet. And then Smeagol has these insane sideburns yes. going. They're like half his face. Yes. Now, while Deagle is being murdered, the sound effects are just layered recordings of men panting. Well, it's like the song goes... Ah, 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 Let's put a sample in here. 
really bold. It's also Avarium. It also it is like quite extensive because I wrote in my notes, okay, this has been going on for sixty seconds. What the fuck? It gets yeah, I think it's because all we get of Gollum in this one is this is this bit. Um one thing we should point out too is that when when we forgot to mention when Deagle dives down, it does the thing that every adaptation seems to do, which is a big hand grabbing the ring off the off the that shot. off the bottom that shot. of the river. That's true. Yeah. They tend to do that shot of Deagle's big hand like grabbing the ring out of the riverbed. Every the adaptation. Same way. Every yeah, single one. They and do. I, and I, I have to assume that these guys did not see the Bakshi version. I have to assume that they, you know Yeah. I'm no. Gonna, I'd probably make it over. Well maybe they did I don't think it did. Yeah. I don't think it did. Otherwise they but, they would have cribbed more even, from it and would have had a better movie. Or even but, Hobbit, you know, I feel yes. like I mean it's crazy. Now, yeah, there's like there's an extended version, extended ah, 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 as he gets choked out, and then it's his transformation into into Gollum. Now, when we say transformation, we mean one second he's a regular Hobbit, and the very next second he is all green and wearing a hat that looks like a head of cabbage. Now it's not a hat; it's like it's like stuck to his face. Yeah, just cabbage leaves stuck to his. It kind of it kind of just graggly and green. He reminded me of old Greg from Mighty Boosh. <laughs> Uh, but does old Greg make constant like sexy tiger growls? Like it sounds yeah. like the growl you do when you're a construction worker and you see a hot lady walk past the construction site, and like grrr. in like a in like a, a 1930s cartoon. You mean I don't think anyone does that nowadays. But yeah, it's like basically like the tiger. Yes. Like you know, he rolls his R's and and yeah, he's he's old Greg with lettuce on his head. Yes, and um, quite quite a quite a quite a disturbing representation of God. He's got these long fingers now that are like. Stick out past his, it's really like long gloves, basically. They're not articulated at all. No. Like, he cannot move them. Frodo is quite affected by Gandalf's story of the ring and its evil. Um, he says, you're making this up. <laughs> Gandalf's like, nope, I met this guy. I met Gollum. I pinned him to a wall. And he told me everything. Frodo's like, okay, you also mentioned orcs. What are orcs? Apparently he doesn't know. And Gandalf's reaction is literally, hey, you'll find out later. Yeah. Sorry about that. You'll figure it out later. See, I remember, Gandalf in this part, when he's kind of explaining what Frodo has to do. Yes. His mission. Well, he says that Frodo is the, the chosen, chosen one. one. Which caught me off guard. I put that in my notes. Hello, Hero's Journey. I mean, that's a little on the nose. I don't think Gandalf ever gave Frodo that kind of responsibility Hello, in the Luke book. Hello, Skywalker. Yeah, no, he didn't. He did not. Nor, nor was Frodo as much of a poop as he is. Like, they make he's him, a little wimp in They this. make him more Bilbo-ish, I feel like, in he's, the beginning. He's, he does like, while, while, while Gandalf was telling him the story, he's, he does this fake cry. He does this kind of drunken whittling. Oh, yeah, so he's whittling a stick into a skinnier and sharper stick. (laughs) And he hides under a pillow at one point. Yeah, like like a three-foot square throw pillow that doesn't even cover his head. He puts it over his head and whimpers, I don't want to go. But Gandalf's like, you're the chosen one, you have to. He also says, when you're out there, be careful, the nine horsemen will disrupt you, which I think they'll do worse than that. I think they'll kill you, dude. He also tells Frodo, you need to be careful, so when you go out, don't use your last name, which, by the way, in this is... um, not Baggins, it's like Torgins. It's Torbins. Torbins. Frodo Torbins. Frodo Torbins. So don't call yourself Frodo Torbins. You need to call yourself what is um, Underhill in in the original book. In the Russian version, it's Twisted. Twisted. You need to call yourself Frodo Twisted. Frodo's Twisted. He's a tw- he's like a kind of loose. He's like a, you know his views askew. He's a little bit edgy. He's Twisted. So now he's either like you know Jared Leto or yeah. he is. Rhythm guitar player in a really yes. low rent eighties hair band. Frodo twisted. And okay. he tattoos damage on his forehead and goes on his way. So he's Frodo twisted. 
And he goes off with the four hobbits. The four hobbits are together right from the beginning. Frodo, Sam, Mary, and Pippin. Uh, Gandalf talked to them ahead of time. He, he did. He's like, I arranged it. They're cool. They're good to go. They don't have anything right. else going on. Um, but Sam, Mary, and Pippin are really indistinguishable from each now, other in this. So we're not even going to mention them I much. did. I can distinguish their appearance. Okay, oh, okay. So, please. Lay it so on So Mary has a hat and lipstick and smokes a pipe. He does have like weird lipstick. Yeah. A Pippin lot of lip liner. looks like if Andre the Giant was smaller and had a PhD. Okay. Imagine a hairy guy with big sideburns and glasses. Yes. Sam is like the extra guy. He's got this extra red hair that kind of bleeds into his scalp. It's kind of the red, but it's not like a, like bright red. It's kind of like the red that like goth girls in high school get when they like they dye their brown hair red, but they don't bother bleaching their hair first, and so it's kind of just like this reddish brown. Red it looks color. bad. And it only is around for like three. Days. It bleeds into his face. Uh, and it, it also, like I mentioned before, he's got, he got, they dyed his eyebrows too, which makes it look like he has four eyebrows. Yes. yes um, so those yeah. are the, those are the four hobbits. They really don't have personalities defined beyond what they look like. Oh. Um, but... You got like much more detailed. My description was all hobbits wearing color-coded snuggies and old lady beach hats. I mean, that is true. They do have color-coded capes. I didn't actually record what color each one has. They look I, like they're made of fleece. I, I swear to God, those are snuggies. I think, I think Mary is yellow and like Sam is red. I don't know, whatever, but... They they are visually distinct, but they rarely ever mention their names, and so it's easy to get them mixed up. Especially like you think someone like Sam is going to be a lot more prominent. Sam doesn't do crap. He in doesn't this do thing. anything. In fact, it's hard to even like distinguish him until the last scene. That's why I called him an extra guy in my notes because it's like who is this? They're all just like spare guys. They're all just like spare guys. Now they do get quote unquote like accosted by the Nazgul in the scene and have to hide behind like a firewood pile. But again, the Nazgul, they can't drive the horses too hard because like then they're not getting their deposit back. So they have to trot like at a glacial pace towards the hobbits. We should mention this is the this these sequences on with horses are the only parts that are filmed outside of a studio. They're filmed like in like out in the snow of Russia. There's like on a on a forest road. Everything else is in front of a green. Yeah, screen. and if you or think a, they have like a good boom mic to pick up sound out there, you no. again are freaking high because they don't. Now, one thing is interesting we didn't mention is that Gandalf tells Frodo before he leaves. Remember, Frodo, it's always summer in Hobbiton, but it's winter when you're on a journey. Yeah, the, the obsession with winter. Like, what is this Game of Thrones? Like, that comes up so many times. I think the idea is that Hobbiton is in this nice summery climate, but as soon as they get on the road, it's all wintry and cold. Because the Hobbits, they act like they haven't encountered winter before. They're, like, freaking out. Like, oh, it's so cold. Yeah, they're like, there's one part where Frodo's like, oh, as Gandalf predicted, it's winter. I'm like, winter comes every year. That's not a fucking prediction. Yeah. Like, that's stupid. But no, apparently it's only ever winter outside of Hobbiton. They mention it many times. Instead of going to farmer maggots, they go to the maggot tavern. Yes. Yeah. So bad enough buying produce from a guy called Maggot. Now you're going to eat at his establishment. (laughs) Also, somehow, I don't know how, because I don't know Russian or Swedish, but somehow Maggot speaks Russian with, like, a distinct Swedish accent. I'm like, wonder if that's, like like, a country bumpkin accent or something in Russian. I have no idea. Like, a, I don't know. Maybe. But he does tell a story. Like He tells about, like, yeah, people are looking for you, Baggins. Um, my dogs were barking heart-rendingly. Uh, that was a, that was a yeah, line. Yeah, heart-rendingly, <laughs> heart-rendingly. <laughs> the dogs were barking heart-rendingly. It made him really sad to hear those dogs bark. Yeah. But he says, don't worry. Your secret's safe with me. I'm not going to sell you out. Uh, you're cool. 
Yeah. No, he says, well, because the Nazgul offered him gold to sell the hobbits out. And he's like, well, get out of my town. I don't need your gold. And then the hobbits use that as a way to quibble about the bill. They're like, well, if you don't need the gold, you don't need ours either. <laughs> and he's like, eh. how about we pay you less? He's like, nah, I don't think so, guys. He's like, you guys shitting me? <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> yes. Now, Maggot says he'll ask his brothers to take the hobbits to the crossing, right? The hobbits need to get to the crossing, which in the book would be Buckleberry Ferry, right? Yeah. They need to cross that, the river Brandywine. And Maggot's like, my, my brothers will take you there they have transport and he says you know be quick night is coming but i wrote i swear it's never once nighttime in this movie it's always broad fucking daylight yeah 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 so all four hobbits okay so when he when maggot says that his brother has transport what he means is that his brother has a single child sled yeah he hooked up to a horse and all four hobbits have to sit on it it's very crowded and it really doesn't take him that far he takes him they take him to the old forest and kind of like Ditches them, I guess? Well, he takes them to the river crossing, which is, like, a two-foot-wide crick, but okay. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a cross. You could, like... So you could easily just step over this damn thing, but okay, thanks for the ride on the child's plastic I really needed it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, bro. So, the Nazgul show up again, and they chase the hobbits into the old forest. Now, this is the part you were alluding to before. Now, they get into the old forest, and there's more like man man panting music but i wrote at this point it's like not just panting it's also moans and like non-committal grunting kind of like oh what do you want to do and like uh, uh, yeah there's a uh, lot of it's uh, very strange uh. it begins this this lengthy performance art where the hobbits are are overlaid with footage of people covered in sticks yeah kind of like dancing at the camera menacingly so the people covered in sticks are like i guess supposed to be spirit spiritual representation of the old forest right which is even very artistic but it didn't make a lick of sense it did it like suddenly there's like these three people in sticks dancing and they're like it's me the old forest i send you an everlasting dream your body gets weaker and you will become prey yeah say say four actors doing interpretive dance in neutral colored rags and sticks it it was wild yeah yes it was very confusing but then when you think at their lowest point then the 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 uh, uh, performance art is is going to tear them apart. We hear yodeling over Prog Rock. <gasps> Here comes our hero, Prog Rock Yodeling Man, a.k.a. Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil, and you better believe his damn hat is yellow. But for some reason, he's also like 30 feet tall. Yeah, here's the catch. Tom Bombadil on this one, he's not a little guy like the Hobbits. He's big. He's, like, he's like is, Gulliver and they're like the Lilliputians. He's so big. It's just one case where they use the green screen to their great effect because they make the hobbits very, very tiny and Tom Bombadil very, very big. It's the only time they ever bother making the hobbits smaller than anyone. And Tom Bombadil, he's a huge forest spirit. It's cool. Yeah, and he, he, he hops into the rescue. He like kind of weakly bends some of the tree branches and the tree goes Grah! so I guess he, oh. he, I guess it died Yeah, he, he killed it. He killed it. So, you know, the hobbits are like, thanks. And he's like, oh, it's cool. Come back to my house and have some dinner with me and my wife, Goldberry. So Goldberry's in this too, which, which is, is cool. Which is neat. We don't see, I mean, these two feel like they don't show up in stuff. And it's so cool to actually have them in a live action production. Yeah, absolutely. And pretty, pretty good representation they, besides the hugeness. They look pretty cool. They look pretty cool. Yeah, Goldberry's got, so like if Tom Bombadil's kind of a picture, he's got the yellow hat, big old beard. He's like a, kind of like a jolly man. And Goldberry is like this, has a sparkly orange disco hair. Yeah. Yeah, she's orange 
everywhere. And like, at one point, Tom Bombadil refers to it as my mistress in emerald glitter. And I wrote, she could not be more orange, well, Tom. I would argue maybe. The, She's not emerald. There's a lot of Vaseline on the camera. Maybe we can't see that the glitter is actually The Vaseline emerald. has made us colorblind. No, I'm saying the, the glitter on her could yes. be emerald. Everything else is orange. Maybe. Potentially. You know? Potentially. I mean, all glitter kind of looks the same from a distance. So they kind of beefed it on that. She's got this one, but... huge frizzy disco hair. This is, again, one of the reasons I thought this was filmed earlier than 1991. Because she looks like, like fucking Xanadu for some reason. Like. In She's a, in a place where nobody dared to go. <laughs> Which is Tom Hobbitel's house. Yes. Meanwhile, the hobbits, as we said, are like, honey, we shrunk ourselves. <laughs> Tiny! They get to enjoy a meal, during which Frodo asks Tom, why are you giant? And Tom says, I'm very old. And he says... Like, that explains and it. And like, well, who are you? And he's like, I am Tom from the ancient tale. Okay, which ancient tale is that, Tom? You gonna fucking no, tell us? No, he's just no, Tom. he's not. He's not gonna tell he's us like, anything. He's like, oh, okay. And Tom... Weirdly enough, knows about the ring and Frodo already. He does. He does. He's got he got some inside knowledge because he's a big man. Yes. He can probably see that far. Yes. So he tells Frodo, you know, fearlessness is more powerful than the ring. Love of life enrages the ring. Which right. I, I didn't think that was true, but okay. So it's the love conquers all version here. Yes. Yes. So then they, you know, they spend the night at Tom Bombadil's house. Gandalf, like, appears in spirit form to watch them sleep like a besmocked Edward Cullen. It was really weird. Yeah, I don't um, know. I don't I know why. I didn't get that. He and then he's like, the winter will continue. Okay, enough about it. the winter already. <laughs> And then Goldberry sends him off in the morning with the saying, To the north, with wind at your left cheek. Yeah. Which is quite, it's good directions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could definitely find that. Just keep going north, as long, like, as, you, as, long as wind is hitting your cheek. Like, you go- fuck GPS. Like, who needs that? I mean, it could be your face cheek, could be your butt cheek, but as long as wind is hitting it, you're going north. Now, this is quite, so we're getting to the end of part one, but first, there's one more jarring image that we see. I oh. wrote it in all caps. It's skull with bleeding eyes, then woman with bright red eye makeup and a bald cap, then skull with bleeding eyes again, and Frodo's in a graveyard. Now, you're, you're, this, is, this is a sneak preview of part two. I guess. This begins. Was that what it's supposed to be like next time on? Yeah, this, this is what, this is Granatelli. the beginning. This is Giddens part two, because part two begins with them getting into the Barrow Downs. And again, this is like, we did not have proper translation. The translation that we watched was the... First part. Part one only. But I'm saying for the second part... Oh, it was auto-translated. It was auto... So basically, it, it YouTube took what it thought it heard in Russian and then used the translate service to turn it into English. And so a lot of the dialogue does not make any sense. But we knew the story, so we were able to follow along. It seems to vary by actor, right? So it seems yeah. to be able to understand what Frodo was talking about pretty well, what Bilbo was talking about pretty well, Aragorn, whatever. It could not understand this lady he meets in the Barrow Downs at all. It's absolute word salad. I don't know yeah, what she's, she's talking like, she's about. She's like this scary ghoul. We'll get to her in a sec. She's a scary ghoul woman. Like, I didn't take a lot of notes in part two because I was kind of like trying to, trying to oh, follow along. Oh, I took along. a lot. I took a lot. I took, took screenshots of the... Um, of the dialogue, but... Yes. Um, well... The first note I have in part two is Barrow Down's clown lady. Yes. So the weird lady in a bald cap and red eye makeup, she's yelling at them in a man's voice, which is scary. You just don't know what she's talking about. There's no... So. Yeah. She's of, monologuing like a fiend, though. Like, she is hamming it up. YouTube often took what she was saying as singing for some reason. It'd be like singing in brackets when she's it's talking. It's like, she's clearly not. She's, she's not. She's, she's not screaming. Singing. Like, I, I, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about, so I'm going to guess it's Frodo's car's extended warranty. Like, I don't know what... But <laughs> you know, it's probably some, you know, like, your soul belongs to us now. You're part of the Barrow Down. Sleep forever. Ha ha ha. 
Labrador. I'm guessing. I'm guessing it understands photo better, like because it kind of includes key phrases that at least make sense. Yeah, like yeah, burial yeah. ground, dead, and at one point he says to the hobbits, "Your face is cold and cold." Yeah, double cold. Because you know they've gotten, as you know, the other hobbits get knocked out in the barrow down. Right. And, you know, there's, like, a creepy disembodied hand that, like, crawls over them and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's very spooky, but mostly spooky because there's a creepy clown lady yelling at them the whole time. Right, right. Now, fortunately, Frodo is able to call Tom Bombadil to come to the rescue again, and he, he gets him out of the one, grave. Yeah, Tom told him before he left, he goes, give me a call. I'll come running. And he does. He has a, a little catchphrase he has to say, and uh, he does. He comes. He does. He does. So he gets them out of the grave. They're no worse for the wear, except there's like a little bit of moss on them. I'm pretty sure Tom tells them not to take any treasure from the barrows. I'm pretty sure. Even though like they do in the books, they definitely take the swords, but whatever. Yeah. Again, they are accosted by the Nazgul, but like the Nazgul scenes are never worth talking about because it's these guys like just kind of on horses in a field, like not even really moving them anywhere. And then the hobbits running like hell, like they're about to die. Many of the shots at the Nazgul are just like, someone was looking up at the guy on the horse and the guy on the horse is like pointing a sword at them and going like, and then sometimes they'll like use the bridle to like turn the horse's head slightly to the left or the right. It definitely looks like they're being pursued. It always looks like, like you said, this very slow trotting. Like, here's these hobbits panicking for no reason. And unrelated to that, here's these dudes on board horses in a field. Right. It's very um, uh, cost efficient. Yes. Very, very. Now, now they get away from the Nazgul again and they reach the Prancing Pony. I thought that they were combining Farmer Maga and the Prancing Pony into one inn. No. No, no. This is a separate this inn. This is a totally separate inn. They're at the inn again. The innkeeper is talking to his guests. Again, the subtitles are not good. No, he starts bad. talking to them about rebranding, apparently, which is either translation error or he thinks they need to update their image. <laughs> I mean, maybe both. Who knows? Then we get Frodo's song. So the question is, how will it compare to Frodo's song in Hobbitit? Because as we all remember, that song is obviously extremely good. Well... A random lady behind Frodo starts opera singing, and Frodo just kind of piggybacks off of that. He's, like, adding stuff or trying to kind of, like, do variations on it. He's honestly just mostly fucking up her song, and it lasts for 20 seconds max. He's trying to be the backing vocals and screwing up every step of the way. Yeah. Like, it's not entertaining. It's not cool. The lady looks slightly irritated. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's not... It's like if you were singing an opera song, and then all of a sudden, like, Lil John just decided that he wanted to be, like, your hype man in the background, yeah, but like, okay. But you didn't ask him to. You don't want him to. It's very irritating to you and everybody around. It's like that. Again, I should also remind you that the hobbits and people, the men, are the exact same size, only distinguishable from the knee down. So, yes, which species yes. they are. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So Aragorn is like, you're drawing too much attention to yourself. They all go to their room and Butterbur and Aragorn are waiting for them there. And they read him a letter from, from Gandalf. Um, the letter from Gandalf presumably says, you know, keep your wits about you. But what it actually says in the subtitles is, quote, it is possible to lose brains together with the brain, which ain't that the truth. And there's also, I have another one here. Uh, the Pathfinder has matured and does not beat the old man. So, I mean, that's good to know. I have to admit, like, I have done a lot less beating of old men since I've matured. Yeah, it's true. When I was back when I was immature, I used to do it a lot more often. And so, yeah, actually, we should mention Aragorn in this. I think he's pretty good. I think yeah, Aragorn's pretty I think he does a good job. I like how instead of Strider, they call him Vagrant. Vagrant, <laughs> his yeah. He's just Vagrant. He's got a cool scar on his cheek. He looks pretty, you know, but he's like a handsome guy. You know? Yeah, he is a handsome guy. He's like a bit more young than I would imagine mm-hmm. Aragorn to be usually. Yeah. But, you know, For being he like does an 86-year-old right. man, he looks pretty good. He does all right. He does all right. So apparently, 
apparently. Aragorn's like, I'm gonna be joining you now. And then he must say something like, bring it in, guys, because they all put their hands in the middle, like they're, yeah. you know, like, like they're <laughs> about to play like a, like a kid's soccer game, and they do like, go team! They do, they do, it's very cute. Yes. So Butterbur then tells them the Nazgul are coming, but it's a long convo that the subtitles boil down to, quote, gotta go black. Yeah, like, Barry you... says, uh, here's the sound of a shot in the office kind of therapy. Which is pretty good. <laughs> it's very, very good. All right, again, boring scene with the Nazgul. They're kind of hoofing it a little in the sense that, like, the horses are moving forward. But, but this time it. Frodo's freaking out even more, and it, it kind of has him in front of a green screen with a bunch of clouds. And he starts having this inner monologue about how, how scared he is and how he wants to put the ring on. Yeah. But it, the, the subtitles put it as, I want to put on a magic card and become invisible. No, no, go away. A magic card? He wants to put on Black, black Lotus. He's definitely going to tap. He's going to tap. He's going to turn his card sideways. He's going to tap his land. And... Frodo at one point also says, go away. Go away. You don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. Like, what don't you get about this? I'm saying go away. You sound like Christopher Guest, right? He does kind of look like Christopher Guest. <laughs> yeah. now, that, now that you show me the picture, yeah, he does. Now, Frodo gets stabbed. It's not at Weathertop. It's just like in a random field. Just, and again, again, the sense of setting, there's none. You're like, where the hell are they? If you didn't this know this point? story, you would have no idea where they are and what they are doing because everything is either green screened or like flashes of, of other things. And like the backgrounds are always really vague and, and, and bland and or like clouds or whatever. And it's like, where are they? Now, all that said, though. Yeah. The Frodo just got stabbed theme slaps harder than any other song in the movie. That was my it's favorite really good, yeah. song by far. It is really, really, really good. All right, let's hear that. Various boys, you've done it again. Yes, yes. Now, Frodo wakes up in Rivendell. Fortunately, somebody carried him out of that precarious situation, and Gandalf's there. And this is, like, my favorite instant of weird subtitles, because on multiple occasions in this scene, Gandalf calls Frodo buddy, which is so yeah, funny. So when, like, it's like he's apologizing for missing his son's soccer game. So there, there is no more fraud anywhere in front of me. Forgive me, buddy. You are halfway through. <laughs> He also, when he explains why he wasn't there to help him, he says, I'm not there, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. It's okay, buddy. It's okay, buddy. I just, like, love the idea of Gandalf treating Frodo like a disappointed six-year-old. Yeah. I'm sorry, buddy. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so Sam comes in to the room. He takes Frodo outside. Frodo is, like, hale and hearty, like, immediately. He's okay yeah. And everyone's waiting for him there. Um, and... They're they're very excited. It's it's like a happy scene. It's a happy scene. They go into the dining room. Everybody's at the dinner table. Frodo sings a song at dinner that starts with his throat was terrible and ends with and he became a monster swamp and was destroyed. <laughs> he sees Bilbo again, and uh, for some reason the subtitles kept calling him Beppo. <laughs> and so Gandalf was also Gindalf. Gindalf, which yeah. I love because it sounds so sounds Russian. Gindalf. So Frodo's like. He walks up to Bilbo, he gives him a big hug, and he's like, how can bargaining Beppo disappear? <laughs> bargaining Beppo did disappear. Bargaining Beppo you. did. Bargaining Beppo did that shit. <laughs> so, yeah, so there. So, bargaining Beppo, he gets reunited with, with Frodo, with Buddy. and uh... Yeah, so Buddy and bargaining Beppo are reunited happily, and then someone begins enthusiastically playing wind chimes, which I guess means it's supper time. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get the Council of Elrond, which is... I mean... It's never the best part of any Lord of the Rings adaptation. Well, it's the first it? time you get to see them portray things that aren't 
hobbits and humans. But they're and usually all it's very disappointing. Humans, right? I mean, they're all just humans. Like Boromir, for example, is like an Orthodox priest with a porno stash. Yeah, he's like he's like a he's like someone's dad. Um, Legolas is a woman. So Ra- lady we, Legolas, we, yeah. We argued over this like for you know some of the movie, but we determined at the end no Legolas is indeed a woman. It's hard to tell with the, with the, again the, the kind of soft focus over everything, but yeah, it's definitely played by a lady. Yes. It's a good choice. Gimli is is like a guy in a red cape and like a... It's like a nightgown cap. He looks like he's he kind wearing of, pajamas. He kind of like just hunches over all the time. <laughs> yeah, he's, like they can't make him smaller, so he just has terrible posture. Yeah, he doesn't have a beard or anything either. It's really strange. He's, so they're debating, they're debating. Gandalf um, has to tell them about Saruman's betrayal. So we get a Saruman flashback, and Saruman is... Not only significantly younger than Gandalf, like yeah. he looks like he's like thirty-two. Not nary a beard in sight. He's also wearing a puffy gold robe and like a metal headband. Yeah, it, the scene that they have together is so weird because they're having a conversation. I think it's just the way it's framed, but they're looking like past each other. Yeah, like so. Like imagine two people are standing like at you know ninety degree angles to each other, right? Yes. But not lo- not turning their heads to look at each other. It's talking straight ahead. Well, again, that's why it looks like a stage play. Like this part especially. You know like, how you like don't look directly at each other. You have to be turned towards the audience a little bit. But this is a this is a film. You can you can do that. Yeah, <laughs> I know? know. Like it's okay, guys. It's like, so weird. They presumably have a boom mic. Actually, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. What are you gonna do? They have one microphone like out a little bit past, so that they have to like aim their voices at. Yeah. Um. So Armand's acting isn't bad in this though like i don't know what he was saying because of the subtitles but he gets really excited and he rolls his eyes back in his head like he's getting so horny for sora yeah he had some good like kind of creepy wizard vibes which yeah. I, I appreciate and his voice gets like weird and high pitched sometimes mm-hmm. i liked that yeah. i liked that it doesn't look like how i imagine saruman but, but still but still good but portrayal still. and he does put gandalf in jail gandalf immediately i'm talking like four seconds later gets busted out by the eagle and ryan do you want to talk about this eagle it's a really cute puppet it's like a cute floppy puppet they put it in front of, so they basically have it in the foreground. There's no telling how big this thing actually was. It was probably like the size, like like the like the Russian lady said, probably the size of a seagull. But using their their amazing special effects, they 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 have this kind of floppy ragdolly brown bird, which is very clear like a stuffed toy, and they kind of move his arms up and his wings up and down, and they're very flimsy and thin. I noticed that they didn't really have a lot of like. Like meat on meat on them. They're pretty like it's almost like fish like a chicken wing, like kind of eat, which is kind of like just the the pointy end. And they kind of flap him up and down a little bit. And Gandalf is superimposed behind him, so it looks like he's riding on a giant eagle. It's like pretty bold of them to have put the eagle that like close up against the camera because it's not a good looking eagle. That's something you want to hide a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, like normally you'd want to fudge it. Like where's the Vaseline now? Right. I mean, it was very charming. Anyway, it does help Gandalf get away from Saruman. Yeah. And now they make the quick decision to put together the Fellowship of the Ring, which is like the nine members that we're used to, as already described. And so the Fellowship embarks. Now, here they seem to realize they were running out of runtime because, like, they start going hyperspeed. They go right to Moria. Almost right to Moria. First, like, there's that weird part where they meet those people who are superimposed over a bonfire, like, dancing and gibbering back and forth. They're wearing, like, those tribal masks. I think they're supposed to be wolves, but they're just, like, oh yeah, weird people in tribal masks dancing around a bonfire. And they don't appear to pose any threat. They're like, kind of spooky. The yeah. Fellowship just watches them do that, and then they're like, oh, okay, and they just leave. They have these, like, long, toothy masks on, but they're not, like, realistic. Yeah, like Joanna said, they're kind of tribal or whatever. But yeah, I, I thought they were supposed to be animals. Are they supposed to be wargs, maybe? Wargs, but maybe. I don't know why wargs are dancing upright around a bonfire, and then, like, they vanish. Yeah, that was night. a weird thing to include if you're running out of runtime. Yeah, okay, but apparently that was necessary, so... Yes, and then they do go straight to Moria. And it doesn't seem like much of a... 
much of a Moria is kind of I don't want to say boring, but not a lot happens in it. They kind of just like walk through it. Yeah, and the so the climax of the whole Moria part is supposed to be when they're at the bridge of Casa Doom yeah. and they're running across and there's a Balrog chasing them. Well, there's no Balrog in this, and also the bridge of Casa Doom is I kid you not five feet long. It's a tiny bridge. It's, it's like very very. I mean, they very actually small. built the bridge, which is like one of the few things they probably had to build on as a set. But yes, they built the tiny bridge, and it, even though it's like very short. Aragorn has to coax the hobbits, like, really hard to get across the bridge. It takes ages. It is it is kind of boring. It takes them a really long time to get coaxed across this bridge. Yeah. Um, and then, once they get, so they get across the bridge, seemingly without incident, right? And then Aragorn's like, one, two, three, four, five, six. Like, he counts the members, yeah, and he's yeah. like, there's one missing. Oh, my God, Gandalf fell off the bridge and died, you guys! Well, they're, they're being kind of pursued by orcs a little bit, aren't they? They're being point? pursued by orcs, but again, it's just, like, kind of dirty, dirty guys. Dudes. But, so, like... They make no... They, they do not show Gandalf falling off this bridge. They don't even notice until they get to the end of the bridge and Aragorn counts them. And yeah. Like, oh, shit. And then they're kind of sad. Gandalf's gone and the hobbits immediately burst into, like, hysterical crying. So that's how Gandalf dies in this. Not a lot of circumstance. Yeah. No. It's interesting. No. But they gotta continue onward, so now they have to go to Lothlorien. Lothlorien is, is a... Wild. Lothlorien, I put in my notes, is that it's people dancing around with bells... And golden flowers over stock footage of a Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah. It's like elf psychedelic interpretive dance all of a sudden. Like, welcome to Lothlorien, you little bitches. It's all sparkly. There's jingly bells. The elves are just really annoying. They're like these flower children, except they're getting right up in your face and right. like throwing flowers at you. Boromir's face, this whole scene is just like, what the just, fuck? Yeah, just the stony, just like... <laughs> So I'd the, be rather be anywhere else. Like, the elves are, like, circling around the fellowship. The fellowship is, I guess, like, either enchanted by their dancing or they're also, like, what the fuck? Yeah. And the elves are chanting out of sync in breathy ver- uh, voices as they circle the fellowship, making weird hand gestures. Like, it, I don't know why this is the first thing that jumped to mind, Ryan. It reminds me of when the lady vampires try to have sex with Jonathan Harkness and Dracula dead and loving it. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Which I haven't seen since I was, like, eight, so don't quote me on that, but yeah, that's the first thing that I, came to mind. Oh, I barely remember that, but yeah. Yeah. I can, I can picture it. Um, the elves hand feed the fellowship some fruits. Or something, and then they immediately fall asleep. So I guess they roofied the fellowship. They roofied the fellowship. Yes, yes. So at least one of the fellowship's going to wake up with, like, one fewer kidney. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know why the elves did this. I have no idea. Galadriel's here, and she's pretty good, I thought. She's she's a decent interpretation, if you want to think of it as, like, again, kind of the uh, Goldberry-style disco sparkly lady. Yeah. Which is kind of what she is. Got big, big frizzy hair. and No, she's pretty She's pretty cool. She's also attended by two little children servants, one of whom has the largest forehead I've ever seen on a child. That kid has a five head. People call sure. me a five head. That is that that kid has like a six or seven head. It is the biggest forehead I've ever seen on a child. Big old head. Yes. Yes. Okay. Gladriel is telling them all this stuff. She's imparting all this wisdom. I assume it's wisdom because... It's, you know, completely garbled in this. So it's stuff like, stop the couch. Inevitable evil is the black star. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah. she says, the white star can, quote, match the brilliance and shine of gasoline, which, holy shit. Whoa. Nothing's more brilliant and shiny than gasoline. That's so this white flower baby. is like some hot shit. Frodo offers the ring to Galadriel, right? So he's As like, usual, if you ask yeah. it, I will I will give you this ring. She actually takes it. She is tempted. She, she picks is it up. tempted. Yes. And then, 
Suddenly, she turns into an old woman sobbing inconsolably as gold confetti falls on her. So either she's having a vision of herself having a, a really vision. bad time yeah. at a New Year's party, or she's having a vision of herself like falling because she chose to take the ring. Right? She, she's, she's, yeah, she's picturing the bad time she's going to have. So she, so, so she refuses. She's like, I don't want to be an, an old woman at an unenjoyable New Year's party. So I am <laughs> not going to take this ring. I pass the test. And then she's like, by the way, do you want to look into my mirror, my pool? My cool mirror. Now, I don't know what they were going for here, Ryan, with this mirror. I don't. Do you remember this part? Yeah, she gives him a vision of the future, right? She can let No. Her mirror, Ryan, is it, it's filled with sentient pink gack that has an eyeball and yells at you. It's oh, full of pink gack. And there's like one eyeball in it and it just starts like screaming oh, some oh, shit. I thought that was supposed to be Sauron's eye. I think this was supposed to be. Why is it in pink gack? Just because it's gross. I don't know. I think it's supposed to be like a magical pool and she's like, you can look at my pool and see what's going on in the world. And then Sauron and apparently looks, it's that. And Sauron looks back, I think is the okay, idea. That's, that's, that's kind of what I got with it. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Okay, it was really bizarre to me. I think I missed like something in the subtitles. Not that the subtitles were no, they were as bad. much. And all of a sudden I was like, what the f- Frick is this? You were taking feverish notes, but she should mention something about, you can see the happenings of the world or whatever. And yes. She, he looks well, that's in, the happening of the world. It's like um, an eyeball in pink. He, look, he looks in the, yeah, he, and, and Sauron looks back. I think that's how I interpreted it. I could be way off base. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that happens. Yeah. Now we get to the climactic scene where Boromir corners Frodo and tries to take the ring. But he doesn't, it does it in Galadriel's house, basically. He does it like in Lothlorien. I mean, like version. right outside. Like, yeah. that is some balls. Like that is some testicular fortitude. Yeah. It's also like very boring. Um, except this one moment there, cause this scene occurs as they're sitting among some apple trees. And Frodo literally breaks an apple in half with his bare hands. And gives it half to Boromir, like, yeah. You, that's insane! Like, you can't just break an apple. Have you ever tried to break an apple if in half with your hands? It's a real, like, mealy apple, you probably could. Like, is that the power of the ring? Like, it just gives him enough strength to just be like... I think that's the power of, of Russian agriculture at the time. <laughs> yeah, it was not doing well. I think they were not doing good. I think ring. They... Apple's so soft, they'd, like, split in half if you gave him a stern look. Yeah. Like, it's really weird. So you can share with your comrade. Well, he tries to, and then to thank him, Boromir, like, tries to take the ring. He starts abusing Frodo. He starts talking about how stupid he is and how he's going to be the reason they die by, quote, an absurd accident. Yeah. Um, and Boromir does not physically attack him, nor do the orcs attack it at, at, I guess they don't even go to Amundsen. There's no orcs so There's no here. orc attack. There's no physical Boromir attack at the end. So Frodo puts no the no ring climax. on, poofs away. Yeah. You know, before even being attacked. He's just like, nah, fuck this. And yeah, so he runs off, poofs away, and then he finds Sam. Sam's just like wandering by himself. Again, this is like maybe Sam's like third line of dialogue in this thing, this whole thing. I mean, certainly like only his first or second line of consequential dialogue. Like Mary and Pippin get way more lines than Sam. Yeah. So Sam is like all too ready to split off from the group. He's like, all right, yeah. cool, because Frodo's like, let's get out of here. And Sam's like, cool. And so we get this very good end theme as adorably Frodo and Sam clasp hands and it like zooms in on their clasp hands and then we get just a, such a cute end theme. Like, I love it. Like, listen to this. Averius, is that you guys? Because you did it again. You did it. Aquarium. Aquarium. Aquarium knocked it out of the park. Whatever. They knocked it out of the park. And that's where this this ends. That's it? I wrote the rest is still lost, question mark, but no, there is no rest. They just didn't make the rest. There is no rest. They just didn't make the rest. They're like, that's where it's going to end. 
So yeah, that was uh, that was quite an archaeological dig that we did to watch this thing. Um, overall, what are your thoughts on Guardians, aka the Russian Lord of the Rings? I mean, Hobbiton is definitely a better series, right? Production value, acting, yes, sets. Like yeah. you can tell, Hobbiton also had a budget of approximately zero, and that's why the like Hobbiton is just a collection of maybe three clapboard mud huts. Like, right, but. <laughs> But I do think it had it had better acting. It had more coherent special effects. It had some scenes that were legit, like very cool and atmospheric. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, the special effects, while cheap, I thought were often kind of clever. Yeah. So and plus the Frodo song is so good. So Hobbit is definitely better. Cranatelli definitely falls on his face in comparison. However, as that one anonymous Russian lady who got interviewed says, you have to take into account like the lack of support expertise mm-hmm. help resources they had they just had nothing they had absolutely nothing they yeah except the will to, to make this work did they make it work no not really not really it's a fun oddity worth watching if you're a fan of tolkien i would not have it be your first version of the story because <laughs> can you imagine if someone's oh, first and only version of that's the, what was, the rings was created telling i mean that's what it made me think of you're mentioning all the all the previous versions of the hobbit and the lord of the rings in russian it's like if this was so hard to find, this could have been someone's first first experience well, with Lord of the Rings. The thing is, for a long time, Lord of the Rings was considered unfilmable, and that's because every time they tried to make an adaptation of like it, it, it was so bad. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it was so bad. Telly, yeah. Like, and I have like a lot of love for, for example, like the Bakshi animated version. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's a hot mess. Like, it's not good objectively. Right. Like, it was just a disaster. And so that's why initially, when Peter Jackson was like, "I want to make these movies," they're like, every time someone tries to do that, they turn out shitty. And this, you know, Cranitali definitely falls into that category, but I can't hate it. You no, know, it's charming. I can't I, hate it's it. a scrappy production. You know, if you know the story already, you'll have a good time. But every single seam shows, and and don't expect there to be any seams that aren't showing. Oh no, every no, 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 no. I mean, again, Joanna and I maybe are not good judges. We watch a lot of really bad stuff. Um, not like, not like, you know. Rotten.com bad stuff, but just like bad productions of things. We watch a lot of bad movies and stuff. So we have a pretty high tolerance for this kind of trash. But, you know, it's got heart. And that's all you can ask for in a production like this. Like, no one, not, no one on set, you know, no one on set thinks they're making anything amazing, but they're all trying their best. They're all, they're all, they all know the level that they're at and they're trying to sell it as hard as they can. And I can appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. I can. I can. Also, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, um, Hack Your Russian yeah. will have translated the second part so you don't have to watch the inexplicable subtitles we did. Yeah, I'd, I'd wait for that, Definitely. I think. Definitely. It's probably better if you know what the what the scary ghoul g- clown woman is saying. I need to know, ma'am. What the hell? Who was she and what the hell was she talking about? She's just a spirit. Yeah. It's a ghost. It's a really weird. But anyway, okay, so that's our Cranatelli episode. Yeah, if you, um, I'd say you can listen in more, but I mean, we mostly have, we have a big archive. Go back listen. to our archive and listen to it again, you guys, because it's probably been about like two years since you've listened to any of them, and there's some really good ones. There's some bangers, I, dude. I recently have been talking with a friend about the Christmas fan fiction ones. Those yeah. are some of my favorites. Those are really, really great. You can brush up on some of the Numenor and Second Age stuff in preparation for the Amazon television show, which we will be doing podcasts on when it comes out. Right. We would do stuff about the new Star Wars shows, but I thought like there's so many other podcasts talking about that. We should watch Turkish Star Wars. You know, I've never seen Turkish Star oh, Wars. I know a little bit about it. It's a beautiful treasure, and we should watch it. It's it's less related to Star Wars than you might think, but it's... Uh, <laughs> it's like Star we'll, Wars adjacent. Yeah, maybe we'll do a show about that. Okay. To kind of match our... our 
Cranitelli episode here. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody, if you got this far. Um, we have a website that hasn't been updated in a long time. Oh, uh, I mean, like, I'll update it with this episode. There just hasn't been any need to. We have, uh, I think there's still a few episodes that aren't up there. There's like maybe, maybe. Like, there's like 10 or 15 It's www.whatslightsabersprecious.com. Yeah, we're still paying for the domain, guys. Just cause so I will update it with, you know, the, the latest episodes. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. Um, we are on Facebook, but I don't really like, po- I don't do Facebook. I feel like I hate Facebook now. But yeah, thanks for listening. Don't expect a lot of episodes, but we'll be back at some point with some, some things. Yes. And so we'll see you then. Later, Hobwalks. Bye, E-Bits. Спать